Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Okay, so this is chapter 23 of the Dhammapada. This is called Narayavaga, Hell and Nirvana. Hell and Nirvana. So, maybe we should have done this on Halloween or something, but... Uh, you can see from the title that, you know, there's... It says a lot right there. Um, hell is the ongoing craving, incessant craving that occurs. Uh, nirvana, nirvana is the release, the extinguishment of that craving. So we'll just get started. Buddha's words. Liars and wrongdoers always suffer now and in the future. Many uncontrolled and evil people wear saffron robes. By their deeds, they will continue the living death of ignorance. So this is, you know, many uncontrolled and evil people wear saffron robes. We could say that corruption and in places of power is ubiquitous. That's always been that way, and it'll continue to be that way when there is corruption craving, clinging to wrong views. It is better to swallow a red-hot iron ball than to accept alms while living mindlessly and hurtfully. So this again is referring to the monastic life, the monastic practice of alms rounds and accepting alms. Um, and really this is talking about a true and authentic Dhamma practice and not um, not doing it halfway, not doing it inauthentically, doing it for real. Um, the mindless, consorting with another spouse, continuing ignorance, their sleep is disturbed. Those of ill repute will give birth to ongoing stress and suffering. So here again, these are kind of the um, behavioral aspects, the precepts, Buddhist precepts. Um, such a person suffers now and in the future. The pleasure is brief for those ruled by passion, and kings impose harsh punishments. The wise restrain themselves. Just as kusa grass cuts the mindless handler, so to a contemplative life wrongly lived brings confusion, delusion, and suffering. John's commentary. Again, the Buddha is cautioning that just donning Buddhist robes, fabricating the mere appearance of practicing the Dhamma, will only continue a confused and deluded mind and continue the stress and suffering of a mind rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths. Buddha's words. Any mindless act or fabricated view, any corrupt act, 
will bear much disappointing fruit. Engage with the Dhamma with joyful enthusiasm and mindful diligence. Lazy practitioners constantly stir the dust of passion. Why do you think that is? Anybody? Michael? Well, it's, uh, lazy practitioners uh, uh, are not uh, exhibiting right effort. So, if you're going to be lazy in relation to the Dhamma, uh, it means that you're not practicing the Dhamma as the Buddha intended. And if you're not practicing the, Buddha, uh, the Dhamma as the Buddha intended, then you're not actually making progress towards recognizing your own ignorance and putting an end to your own uh, stress and suffering. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, just like in the, in the title, Hell and Nirvana, Nirvana, the, the extinguishment of the flames of passion is, is what this practice leads to. I love that term, stirring the dust of passion. Yeah. As your, as your actions continue, <clears throat> desire and lust just arises by itself, just by what you are doing. Uh, yeah. And that, there's also the, 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 the pain and the suffering is not just later, as a consequence, but it is, it is already right here. Yeah. The yeah. precepts. The precepts are literally the mirror. I mean, that's your karma. Yeah. You you instantaneously know it because a you see it. You see the ill will. You see the doubt. You see doubt is basically a practice half effort. Mm -hmm. So. It really is instantaneous. You don't have to, because if you have any level of awareness, mindfulness, you'll feel it. Absolutely. Yeah, the image comes to mind of um, of uh, Charlie Brown's friend Pigpen. <laughs> I don't want to do him like that, but it's kind of a fitting image. Yeah. Where he's he's always got this dust cloud around him all the time, and all that stuff, and flies and dust and you know, maybe he wasn't this, this corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Buddha's words. Abandon evil as evil continues to torment the wrongdoer. Cultivate the Dhamma and abandon torment. So again, this is, this is taking responsibility for our actions, taking responsibility for our thoughts, taking responsibility for what's coming up in us. Cultivate the Dhamma and abandon torment. Always guard yourself within and without, just as the border, a border city is well guarded. The opportunity to develop, to develop my Dhamma is fleeting. Ignore the opportunity and regret will follow. The Buddha's Dhamma is practiced by developing wise restraint at the point of contact with phenomena arising and passing away. The fool who maintains and defends false views is ashamed at what is skillful and is not ashamed at what is unskillful. They are always in a state of confusion, deluded thinking, and stress. 
The fool maintains and defends false views who fear the truth and embrace ignorance. They are always in a state of confusion, deluded thinking and stress. The fool maintains and defends false views who see the truth as evil and do not see evil and does not see evil. They are always in a state of confusion, deluded thinking and stress. The disciple, knowing what is right and what is wrong, upholds right view and maintains a calm and peaceful mind. That's the sutta. Anthony. Yeah, hi. Um, so what I kind of got out of the uh, sutta was that they um, they were the, the, the sutta said that um, maintaining like looking like somebody who's a Buddhist but preaching a false dharma isn't is doesn't get you over the finish line, and it actually hurts other people. And then the other part that kind of stuck out for me was um, that guard yourself within and without. And I kind of think about that as like people, places, and things. You know, there's certain people that you shouldn't be associating with certain places. Um, you know, social media, you have to be very guarded. Like I saw that as a very broad statement that still really stands up today. Excellent. So kind of, uh, appreciated it, Dharma. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's excellent. You know, and, and even with the guarding within and without is also guarding the sense gates. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks Jeff. How are you, Jeff? Well, thanks. Um, <laughs> my mind, since we had discussed a little bit before uh, uh, you began about, uh, I mentioned developers, this, this kind of behavior is, this immediately comes to my mind because I've had to deal with so many of that type of person, completely untrustworthy and duplicitous, and you can, you can see the destructive trail they leave, and it invariably creates tension and suffering when you have to deal with that kind of a person regardless of whether you recognize it uh, or not there, there's always damage done by that um, yeah you, you definitely have to guard yourself yeah absolutely yeah. you know that Is, is how easily it is to get entangled in that. Any small compromise, which is almost inevitable when you're in contact with that type of a person, is uh, generally not the last entanglement. Yeah. It starts small, and you see it time and time again. People start off with good intentions, I'll make one small compromise, and then. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, in, in that way, you know, liars and wrongdoers always suffer now and in the future. So we, we know that when us, we're associating with um, people that are, that are not uh, living an upright life in that way, then, then we know because we feel that. We feel, um, you know, we feel the, the pain of that association. Um, and it, it's, uh, you know, whether it's at, whether it's at the, the Thanksgiving dinner table or whether it's, you know, out in the world somewhere, um, we suffer now and in the future. It, it's hard not to see it as being ubiquitous, too. Um, it's, it's difficult because uh, if you're trying to um, uh, observe a right livelihood, it becomes almost impossible not to have some association with people who are less appreciative of <laughs> integrity. That's right, and, and that's, you know, that's part of the first noble truth, is that in the world, that's, that's, that's part of the world. And we accept that that's part of the world. Yes, as you said, it's always been that way and probably always will be. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jeff. Nina. Hi. 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 Um, I find it really striking how, with each of these teachings, how subjective teachings are and how um, like stirring up the dust of passion or like John says when you have a speck of dust over your eye how um, like personally accountable you have to be and how honest you have to be with yourself to even recognize what that dust is in yourself like the teachings don't tell you that right sort of something you have to find so that's what I thought about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. This this the Buddha's Dhamma is is asking of us direct accountability for our thoughts, words, and deeds. Are we accountable for what we're thinking, what we're saying to ourselves about what we're thinking, what we're saying to other people? how we are in relationship. The Eightfold Path practice is, or I should say, the practice of the Eightfold Path frames that for us. Is the, is our, are our actions in line with the Eightfold Path? We have a, we have a, um, a measure for that. Um, just like, you know, we can, we could still be out holding a bowl and wearing robes and not really practicing the Eightfold Path. You know? There's countless stories in the Sutta Pitaka about monks who are, you know, licentious or, or um, you know, trying to, to 
become famous or there's lots of different stories like that so it, it, again that's part of that's part of the human condition you know? and the buddha dhamma is asking us to be accountable and take responsibility for what's coming up Any more to add on that? Okay, thanks. Uh -huh. <coughs> Thank you. Uh, that image of the border city is, uh, is really neat. In those days, you know, <coughs> King would always have fortified cities at the edge of their, their domain. <clears throat> and and a smart ruler of that of those towns would have not just patrols around the city but also inside because they knew that those from outside you know would be in there trading and all that so the image of guarding both the your own your own impulses <clears throat> and guarding what comes in from the outside, guarding the sense gates, is, is very telling to mm. Yeah? I think Master sort of uh, administering this, this is a very, uh, you know, succinct sutta, but complete in a lot of ways. I looked at what Mina was saying there about sort of honesty and sort of some of the language in this <clears throat> talks about putting this through our own experience, you know, the half measures sort of aspect of it. We, we, we know that when we are out of right effort, you know, when our practice is sort of not where it needs to be, we notice more dust, more disturbance, you know, we, we, we have to maintain this practice and, uh, Buddha does a good job here of pointing us back to that. So mm. thank you for reviewing it for us. Thank you. Laura? Oh, thank you. It's good to always listen to everyone and um, listen to everyone's insight. And like Kevin was saying, it, it really is so important to have right effort, I realize, because it is a living torment, or like a living death when you cling to things or when you are greedy or attach yourself to certain things um, your emotions are just you know literally you're tormenting yourself but I guess the way that we can or I guess the cure for greed I guess could be like generosity or practicing dana like we talk about or you know for um, um, or practicing metta like we always do, loving kindness if we have aversion to something or someone, or you know, for ignorance, just practicing jhana and concentration and understanding someone or something and mm -hmm. compassion. So that's what I was thinking about. I like that. That's that's really good to think about the antidote for these things. Right. Know, 
greed's the antidote for greed is generosity, something like that. And um, antidote for aversion would be, you know, not clinging, right? But uh, some kind of, um, you know, acceptance. Acceptance. <clears throat> um, and the antidote for deluded thinking is. Understanding the Four Noble Truths, you know, through, through mindfulness, mm-hmm. you know, the Eightfold Path. So I like how you frame that. That's helpful. Mm-hmm. Thanks. David? And I also appreciate how Nina, Kevin, and Laura, it's a direct experience. I remember Nina pointing out early when she first started that she was seeing the spiciness of other people and now she's talking about her direct experience mm-hmm. and I think that comes with mindfulness because you don't need to worry about the world out there because the second arrow was generated by us so that's what I got yeah I mean that's that's the hell that we're talking about is the hell that we create for ourselves through desire, passion, craving, clinging you know that's that's our own that's our own process that's our own compulsion that's our own uh, torment. And the level of honesty and the ownership of that is vastly different from the world's conversations or the conversations you have with the world. This is an inward practice. You know, we've got to go understand that and be accountable with that. Yes. In our own time, through our own, you know, through our own experience as yeah. we come in contact with the world. Right. The world, yeah. is, the world is a tough place, and we we make it a lot tougher until we have some medicine or an antidote. Mm-hmm. The teachings can only take you so far. The listening can only take you so far. The Buddha said he's just a teacher, but yeah. it has to be us. Really, what are we clinging to? Why are we doing that? Mm-hmm. Root it out. That's right. That's right. Yeah, the, the, where are those flames of passion firing up? In here, inside, inside our own mind, inside our own experience, inside our own day-to-day, inside our own interactions. So it it can't be... legislated out. It has to be taken, undertaken individually. Brett? Good to be here. Uh, good to listen to everybody. And uh, yeah, just where I'm at right now is, um, you know, stressed, overworked, and uh, and so we know the Dharma and uh, everything, everything that comes up, or everything you're clinging to, or craving, or wanting things to be different. You know now, so it's like it's just it's a lot uh, when you can know everything that you're doing wrong or throwing more stuff on the fire. 
<clears throat> but yeah, this is exactly where exactly where I need to be, but it's also about doing the work. It's like the right effort. I think what Michael talked about earlier is just there. David or everybody, it's like you have to do the, the work. And uh, and if you know it's there, and if you, you know it keeps on coming up, but you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it keeps on coming up. Always. And it's just, you're just meeting it. So it's good to be here. Good to see Thanks. you. Thanks. Yeah, you know, that's... That's well said, and, and it, it, that's, that's another hell, to, to constantly critique yourself to death to where it's never enough, it's never good enough, it's never how you want it to be, like you said, you know, and that, something that John always says, you know, and reminds us is to be gentle with ourselves, because what we're undertaking, few do, and... and it's, you know, life, life, you know, is not personal, so it's just going to keep doing life stuff. Um, Danny? Yeah, I appreciate what everybody's been saying. Um, I'm just focusing on the importance of a full commitment to the practice. I mean, some feel good, you know, you anticipate it. But it's that stuff that just comes from out of nowhere. And that's when you're going to have to have that defined mindfulness that you develop you know, on the cushion in order to, at the point of contact, be able to deal with it with wisdom and restraint. Mm -hmm. so. Thank you. Mary? First of all, I'm really grateful to be here tonight. Mm -hmm. Someone showed me something that really helps me, and it's kind of a little tiny demonstration. Could I do it? Sure. So can I use your water bottle and come up here? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Just thirsty. Okay. okay. So. You're not going to pour it on my head, are you? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, that's baptism. Okay. So, how much do you think this bottle of water weighs? Anybody? Give me a. Two pounds. Two pounds. Okay. Anybody Six else? Come on. What was that? I don't know. 16, 8 ounces. 16, 8 ounces. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, what is that? Another guess? 19 ounces. 19 ounces. Okay. It doesn't really matter how much this weighs. The only thing that matters is how it's weighing in my hand, how it's holding my hand. And, you know, it's making my hand tired. So just holding it here for a minute, my hand's kind of getting tired. Right? And if I held it for an hour, I think my hand would be getting really sore. Okay? And if I sat here all night holding it, I think I'd be in pain and paralyzed, right? Okay? It's kind of goofy, isn't it? But that's sort of what we do with stress and pain and evil and everything else. We hold on to it. And so if we just hold on to, like, say, stress or pain for a little bit, it hurts. If we hold on to it longer, it's really painful. And if we hold on to it for our life, any stress, any evil that we allow to come with us and hold on to, it's really going to paralyze us. Now, it sounds kind of silly just sitting here holding this bottle, but that's what we do with stress and pain and negativity in life. And there's a really simple solution to all that pain and negativity and also my aching arm. Mm -hmm. You put the bottle down. <laughs> <laughs>
Good analogy. Thank you, Mary. That's right. You can teach the next class. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that was really good. I like that visual. Yeah. Hey, when you drink, when you drink the water, do you lessen the stress by making the cup lighter? <laughs> Every time. Every time. No, that. But that's that's it. And and you know, as David said, really beautifully, that's third noble truth. That's. That's understanding that the cessation of our contribution to the stress that's inherent in the world is through, is possible. It's possible. But it's not just done by putting it down. You have to have that fourth noble truth. That's right. That's right. Which is, you know. You have to know where the floor is. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how much the, the bottle weighs until... You know how much it weighs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that ending of craving and clinging, our contribution to craving and clinging, through the development of the eightfold path, is that way. Um, that way of putting down the burden, putting down the burden of stress, putting down the burden of disappointment, putting down the burden of personalizing every thought, word, and idea that comes into our mind. Um, thank you, Mary. That was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Michael. Uh, hi, Mike. Good to see you. Same here. Um, I'm just going to go around a little bit. Um, not being totally specific here, but just what I was thinking of during this whole time I've been here. Recognizing another's ignorance is a lot easier than recognizing your own ignorance. Mm. You recognize your own ignorance, then you'll put the container uh, down. And if you also recognize your own ignorance, and you have a, an awareness of that ignorance, then you'll also be able to understand the ignorance in others. So, recognition of your own ignorance, again, not easy. It's much easier to recognize, hey, look at that guy, look at the way he's acting, mm-hmm. uh, he's a real knucklehead, right? However, you don't, you're not so uh, apt to buy into that in relation to yourself. You know? right because our ego stands in the way of that, right? So, if we drop our ego and we understand, again, our own ignorance, and then we can see it in others. And this is, this is what uh, a human uh, resistance is about, right? Uh, Anisha and uh, Luca, this is what, this is us living a life of ignorance. Right? So we have to like subtract ourselves through this passion and understanding from the ignorance of three months of existence so that we can recognize the ignorance in other individuals and then we can form compassion for individuals who are ignorant because we experience the pain and suffering that someone is experiencing 
and they are ignorant themselves. Mm. So mm. that's just basically. Yeah, I, and I and I inside of that I hear too. Uh, you know, it was like the one of the first things of, of donning a robe and a saffron robe and going out there and and exactly. doing whatever. So it's like we can we can use these things as a shield yes. if we're not really doing it we can put it up there as a shield and and go oh yeah I've got see I, I've got the appearance of calm and the appearance <laughs> of virtuous and the appearance of but it's just a shield that I'm hiding behind so you're right in that in that sort of the honesty that Nina and Kevin and everybody was talking about was, is is crucial to 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 say yeah I I honesty with yourself honesty right. with yourself yeah right you know it's like in this way in this moment my that's my ignorance and before I blame somebody else or, or point out somebody else's fault, you know, can I can I see my my own hand in it? So thank you, Julia. Hello. Good to see you. Hello, everyone. Um, thanks for teaching that. The thing that um, stands out is that Buddha's giving us a warning here. I mean, these words are very strong when he says, the opportunity to develop my dharma is fleeting. Ignore the opportunity and regret will follow. This is like very strong yeah. words that he's using here. And um, why, is the do- why is the opportunity fleeting? It's because we're impermanent beings. And um, we're just like a little bleep on a big, huge <laughs> timeline, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, almost insignificant and so we, we really just have present moments to, to develop the boundary to awaken so it, it, it should be like it should be you know something that we there's no question yeah. there's no questions asked here we, yeah. we we should we should develop the dharma for our own sake but why because he gives us this other he says regret will follow and why will regret follow we're going to suffer continue to suffer continue and continue until we close our eyes and probably do it again I'm sure yeah. you know some other time so this is the time right now no, no there's no other time than the present moment and it, it means that we should sit down as much as possible and do our jhana yeah. you know that's practicing dhamma that's practicing concentration that helps our mind be concentrated you know have enough concentration have enough space there so we can practice wise restraint. And um, the other thing that I found that he says right after it, he says, the Buddha's Dhamma is practiced by developing wise restraint at point of contact with phenomena arising and passing away. And I was thinking of myself and I was thinking how, how hard it is sometimes with the wise restraint. But the, the thing like Michael was saying also is that um, first recognizing your ignorance is very, very important. That's the most important thing. And, Practicing the Dhamma, learning all the teachings, hearing the words of the Buddha, actually makes you start to recognize it. So, not only jhana, but also listening to the words actually 
it makes you have an understanding of it. Yeah. And so you can recognize it in yourself. Recognizing it in another person actually makes you have, <clears throat> you start to develop compassion. And once you develop that compassion, it's easy to, to practice wise restraint. You yeah. don't want to, you want to be harmless. You don't want to yeah. hurt anyone. So it's kind of like a process. And of course, that's that's actually keeping in mind the eightfold path. It's just yeah. natural. Yeah. It comes natural, you know, yeah. once you do that. And compassion is selfless, right? Yeah. So there's no I in compassion. Yes. So that's the, so. What's more important? Recognizing our own ignorance or pointing out someone else's fault? Yeah, it's got to, it, I mean, that was kind of a dub. But. It's, a parlor, it's a parlor trick yeah. to know that I can see she's ignorant. Right. It's a trick. Right. It's something that comes with a little bit of mindfulness. Yeah. The work is done for yourself, mm-hmm. and then the compassion is a byproduct. It's That's not right. an outright goal. No. It's not what we do. And, and it's, a, it's a mistake to think that that's the point of this. No, it's not. It's, that's, that's what arises naturally from. Yeah. It's just. It arises through understanding. Yeah. It's actually yeah. on its own. I mean, yeah. part of the right view mm-hmm. is understanding that we are ignorant of the Four Noble Truths. Mm-hmm. It's that trick of right view. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of take a leap of faith. What you don't know. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It, nothing about it is saying, "Oh, I now recognize your ignorance." Right. Right. <laughs> Matt, Matt, can I just say one thing? Sure. It, the yeah. ignorance, the thing that we always say, it just sounds like such a way back. Yeah. It's just simply recognizing our egoic self, making everything around us a personal experience when it's really not. Right. You know, that's it. Simple. Not this. Yeah, 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 Uh, right, that, that, that ignorance is some bad guy that's, that's waiting for us around the corner when, when really it's personalizing life. Exactly. (laughs) Taking life personally. Right, yeah. Exactly. Nice, excellent. Dustin. I agree with what you're saying about like coming and listening to the words and the teachings is like hearing the truth, I guess. And like it just resonates inside of you and you just like sort of bring it out of yourself. It seems that that truth is the thing that helps you realize that ignorance. But what I heard when I was listening to the teachings was like the word evil is so mysterious in the world. You know, like people just, they just call evil something demonic or something that's, you know, you can't really explain. It's just always here and it's looking and trying to get you. But it sounds like evil is just stress, right? Like that's how simple it is. That, that evil is born out of wrong view, wrong intention wrong action, wrong life, right? Like that's how evil is born into the world. And so when you become aware of your ignorance, you start to move out of evil, right? Is that sort of... Yeah. Yeah, the common use of evil in the the world is just what you don't want. 
That's yeah. really all it means. It's nothing else. It's, it, you know, it's the opposite of good, and right. good is what we want. Right. Uh, well, other but the way the Buddha too. uses it is, is evil is the, the unskillful stuff. I think it's like um, part of the Jewish religion says like anything that disturbs your shalom, like your peace, mm -hmm. is evil. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's sort of like out there, like that peaceful self right. is like heaven. Yeah, so there's something about noticing the quality of your mind. Yeah. And when we notice that the quality of our mind is disturbed or anxious or irritated or whatever, then no problem. The quality of our mind is anxious, disturbed, irritated. It belongs to impermanence. It'll pass. Come back to the sensation of breathing in the body. Go. When the quality of our mind, we notice it as peaceful, calm. The quality of our mind is peaceful, calm. Notice it. That's also impermanent. So again, this goes all the way back to habits of attention and, and what we hold in mind. I even notice when I'm like holding my fist really tight, yeah. and my jaw is clenched. Like I'm, I notice that body stuff too from doing this work. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, as you start to develop mindfulness, you start to notice mind, and, and you start to notice your body. You start to notice the habits of your attention with regard to your body. Form. So the hands are tight. The jaw is tight. Those, are, those squeezes are, are active. As soon as you notice it, soften. And that's actually, if you recognize that at that point, then you're recognizing that which does not constitute the self. Yes, you're, you're recognizing on contact there is tension, there is stress, there is agitation. So those things are impermanent, therefore they cannot be self. <clears throat> Recognition, wise restraint, no dependent origination. Really good class, guys. Um, anyone have anything further to add? Anyone want to say anything? Okay, then we'll end with meta as we always do. These are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, 
the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.